Well, good morning. Good morning. Y'all look so good this morning, and I see Bucky up there, and uh, Bucky, they were talking about you a while ago, and said you were back to normal. Didn't know what normal was for you. Okay, we're so glad that you're here. Oh, I want to thank uh, those who filled in helping me this week. If you did not get the weekly email, um, I had Melinda helping me, and so she got some of you, and some of you she did not get. And uh, Natalie was on vacation. We have 170 in here today, so that is a tremendous group. And uh, how many did not get the weekly email? <laughs> Let me ask. You all want to know. All right. Uh, you've already got me, all right? So, anyway, Natalie will be back uh, this uh, coming week. She was on vacation. And, but I do want to thank Melinda and Tara. I had two women waiting on me hand and foot, so that was kind of nice. But, uh, what? I, I know it, I know it. She'll get me back in shape. But I do appreciate Natalie every single week. Well, today we finish out the book of Jonah. So take your Bible, find the book of Jonah chapter 4. Someone asked me where I'm going next. Me and the Lord are going to talk about that, alright? So give me a couple more days to have a conversation with the Lord about that. But I have enjoyed the expository look at Jonah. Such a wonderful treasure in the Word of God. I am so glad that God, through His inspiration, put this wonderful book in the Bible. What would the Bible be without the book of Jonah? And so I am so glad for this book. Today is an ugly chapter in the Bible. Jonah chapter 4 is filled with ugliness. And it's that way because there is a prophet who is bitter, angry, and disappointment. God don't like that, okay? That is a, a anathema to God. And so we find in Jonah chapter 4, we see the other side of God. Here is God's great concern for the people of Nineveh. If I would ask the group here today, 170 plus, and I would say, name your favorite verse in the Bible. And sometimes people talk about, well, this is my life verse. I would get all kinds of answers. But there is one single verse that kind of stands out in the Bible. There is a verse that captures the very heart of God. And that is John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16 is really the heart of the God that we serve. And I want to read John 3.16 in the Amplified Bible. John 3.16 in the Amplified Bible. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He even gave 
His one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in Him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. Does not that verse wrap up the heart, the passion of God for this lost world? God had a heart for the people of Nineveh. Jonah did not, but God did. And you and I need to capture God's concern for a lost and dying world. Sometimes we look down on the lost. Come close and, and listen to me. Sometimes we look down on people that are lost because we are not like them. Or we say they're not like us. And sometimes we say, well, their sin is not an acceptable kind of sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 has an interesting verse. Paul the Apostle was talking to the Corinthians. And they were a smug group. Uh, the Corinthians were kind of strutting around saying, well, we're not as bad as they are. Or their, their sin is a darker, deeper sin than our sin. But listen to what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 6.11 Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Paul says, such were some of you. You know, there, there's a long list there in 1 Corinthians 6. And Paul is saying, man, don't be so smug and arrogant because we are all sinners saved by grace. We are all a trophy of what God can do. And so, what we find in Jonah chapter 4, God confronts the prophet by saying, you may think, that Israel is more chosen than Assyria. You may think that Jerusalem is better than Nineveh. But God said, I got news for you, both are full of sinners. And both will be redeemed the very same way. Now, we are in a large church here and have a big congregation. Well, let me just paint this scenario. Let's say there's a church that runs about 100 in Sunday school. And it's out here in Ebenezer number 9, out there in the sticks, alright? Way out in the country. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, great grandma, great grandpa, they started that church. And then a young fireball of a preacher comes in. <laughs> Man, he's out there knocking on doors. People are being saved every day. I mean, he's in the baptistry every Sunday. I mean, there is a spirit of revival. God is adding to that church daily. Do you think that that community 
is going to have some trouble maybe with that influx of new members? And do you think that that old guard might have trouble letting go and letting those new folks come in and be a part of the church? I've been around long enough, I can tell you the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Do you think that Jonah had trouble with God saving Nineveh? The answer is yes. And the reason why is because Jonah was saying, hey God, where are the chosen people? God said the chosen people is the people of the world because that's who I am going to send my son to die for. That's the chosen people. So Jonah had to learn that God's love has no boundaries. Jonah had to learn there are no limits to the grace of God. As Daniel Aiken calls God the hound of heaven. God has a way of tracking people down by His Spirit. And they are everywhere. Everywhere in the world. What about us? Is our concern, is our heart like the concern and the heart of God? Well, look today at four lessons that we find here in Jonah chapter 4. First of all, we find a lesson about God. Never forget who God is. I want you to look at Jonah chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Mm. What is God like? Well, He sure wasn't like Jonah there. If you got your Bible, I want you to find the book of Joel. Find Joel chapter 2. See if you can find Joel there in your Bible. Hosea, Joel. Alright, find Hosea and turn right. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Book of Joel. Kirby, page 779. 779. Well, if you'll find 779, you'll be right on it, alright? Am I right? You're right. I know I am. <laughs> Kirby, why don't you read that for us? Chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Chapter 2, 12 through 14. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, 
and rend your hearts and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether He will not return and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, even a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Yeah, look at that verse 13 and pluck that verse out. Notice what it says there in 13. God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. That is the God that we serve and the God that we have. That was the God of the Hebrews. So in Jonah chapter 4, when you look at who God was and who God is. Jonah needed an understanding. He forgot about the God that he served. Daniel Aiken, again at Southeastern Seminary, said, the tears of Nineveh's repentance cooled the heart of God's anger. Oh, I love that. The tears of Nineveh's repentance cooled the heart of God's anger. I mean, here, here's a great revival in chapter 3. I mean, the, the whole city. Chapter 3, verse 10. It looks like it's a great revival. Surely the prophet's going to be happy, but in chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah became angry. And he's angry because he never wanted to go to Nineveh. He didn't want the people to be saved. And here is this God who chooses to save. Although Jonah had learned to obey God's commands, he went to Nineveh, but he had not learned to love others. Boy, there's... Golly, guys, there's a part of us that we've got to learn to love one another. I remember years ago back in... Back in churches, they, they'd sang this song, the old time religion. Y'all remember that? We used to sing that, and you know, we do those choruses, you know, makes the Baptist love the Methodist, you know? <laughs> makes the clappers love the non clappers. Makes the tiger love the gamecock, you know? We all, all got to get along. Y'all remember that verse? Alright. Look at God here. Alright, I've named seven things here about God. Number one, God is available. You find the word gracious to describe who God is here in verse number two. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. The word gracious there, we think about grace meaning the unmerited favor of God. That Greek word charis. But here in the Old Testament, this word for gracious means to be a nurturing God. Literally, it means a in-the-womb kind of God. 
And get that in your mind. God is so available, He is like a in-the-womb kind of God. Boy, can you be closer than that? That's the God that we serve. I, I'm, a, uh, I, I'm a big Trekkie fan. I, I, I love to watch Star Trek. You know? Live long and prosper. I, I am. I, I like the old Star Trek. Pam and I watched one last night and uh, it was one of the Star Trek movies and they were going to a planet called Shakari. And on Shakari, they encountered a being who was pretending to be God. Maybe you remember that movie and at the end of the movie, James Kirk, Captain Kirk says, God is not a God who's out here. God is a God who lives right here in the heart. And I thought, pretty good theology for Star Trek. <laughs> That's right. That's in the movie too. Yeah. And so we find that God is available. He is a in the womb kind of God. Also, we find God is gracious. Again, the word grace, the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Did the people of Nineveh deserve God's grace? No. Did Jonah deserve God's grace? No. But yet, God is a God of grace. Also, God is a merciful God for the prophet and the people. I like what old Martin Luther said during the Reformation, he said, if I was God, I'd blow this world up. In other words, he would have no patience with it. God is also a long-suffering God. Chapter 4, verse 2 says that God is long-suffering, that God is abundant in loving kindness, slow to anger. Someone said, God does not have a quick fuse. Anyone here ever had a quick fuse? I've got both my hands up, alright? Anyone ever flown off the handle? I don't, don't point it well, my kid. That, that's just ugly, alright? Don't do that. Someone said I flew off the handle and had a bad landing. That's right. Someone said, I lost my temper. I said, no, you didn't. You found it. <laughs> Isn't that right? I had a summer job one time, and, and uh, it, it wasn't a career move. I can tell you that. It was a summer job, and I worked at Fred Jones Remanufacturing Plant one summer, and my job was to pick up engine blocks with a hydraulic lift and put them on an assembly line, knock out the freeze plugs, and move that thing on down the line. I did that a thousand times a day. Near, 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 pop, near. I mean... Yeah. And you know what? I, I was pretty good at it, but I'd like to have fun, so I'd be back there singing, I'd be back there preaching to those engine blocks. And uh, 
And they had a name for me there. They called me Hollywood. <laughs> the reason why is because they said I always look so clean. You know, I'm, I'm in the midst of working with these motors, these blocks. And, but, but they said, you always look so clean. One day I had my hammer and I'm knocking out those freeze plugs. And that hammer just, the end of it, just came off of the handle. And went twirling through the air. It's really pretty. Went twirling through the air. <laughs> and then it went through a glass. And then it about hit someone on the other side. And I kind of, you know, cringed and I heard these words Hollywood, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Blew off the handle. Almost made a bad landing in someone's forehead. Folks, that is just like us. But aren't you glad God isn't like that? God is long-suffering. Well, we also find God is loving. Chapter 4, verse 2, abundant in loving kindness. The word for love in the Hebrew language is the word hesed. Hesed means a covenant or faithful God. The word hesed. And then we find God is forgiving. Chapter 4, verse 2, and one who relents concerning calamity. God wants to avoid you and I having calamity in our life. And you know, we get in a mess all the time. I had a preacher friend that would say we get in deep yogurt. <laughs> Have a hard time getting out. We're in a mess all the time. Well, God is one who relents concerning calamity. He wants us to avoid disaster. And then I, I like this number seven. God is patient. Patient. As you look at chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, you know, Jonah says, well, things didn't go my way, so just kill me. Jonah says in verse number 4, or rather, God says in verse number 4, Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry? Ask yourself that the next time you get angry about some small, piffling thing. I'll tell you what, what gets us angry is when we get a nail in the tire of our car. You know what gets us angry? When we have a long line at Walmart. <laughs> what, what gets us angry is when someone pulls out in front of us at the stoplight. Yeah, those, those things get us angry. But what doesn't get us angry is the moral degradation of America. Amen. What doesn't get us angry is the lost person who walks out into his front yard next door and uses God's name in vain. What doesn't get us angry is the person who takes our children and teaches them that we have a universe that came from nothingness and is going nowhere. You see, we need to be fired up and angry about what God gets angry about. 
Anger is not a bad thing if it's a righteous indignation. But what Jonah had was an unrealistic anger in his life. He's simply angry because God didn't bring down fire on Nineveh. And yet we find God was so much unlike Jonah. And I pray in our hearts that when you look at these seven things, that you can say that is not only the God you serve, but that's who you are in your life. Alright, let's move on. I've got to move on. Number two. Lesson number two. Never forget why you are here. This is verses 5 through 8. Let me read these for us. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. Isn't that funny in verse 5? He's still waiting for fire to come down, isn't he? He's still waiting for God to burn them people up. Alright, verse 6. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so that he became faint, and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Well, one thing we get from that, we know Jonah was bald, don't we? <laughs> well, verse, verse number 5 says that Jonah went out and made him a shelter. And then God added to the shelter by letting this wonderful plant grow up. And Jonah was there, boy, he, he was proud and happy with the shelter and with the plant. But notice that Jonah had this condemning attitude, but you and I are not here to condemn. Verse number 5 might be a picture of some people today when they say, well, that guy over there has had his chance to respond to the Gospel. And so, I'll wash my hands up. Do you remember the story in John chapter 8 in the New Testament? There's a woman who looks bad, smells bad, covered in filth, She's drugged into a temple. And she's thrown at the feet of Jesus. And they say this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. We have the authority to stone her to death. Jesus, what do you say? You know what He said in John chapter 8, verse 11. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. Jesus had a right, if anyone did, to condemn her. 
but He chose not to. It reminds us that we are not here to be the Holy Spirit. I don't have the right to condemn you in your sin. What I do have the right to do is to give you grace. And to say, I found grace and I found justification through the blood of Christ and you can find the same thing. You know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter if you're Dr. Stain or if you're Ken or if you're Mike, if you're Harold, we all find salvation the same way through the cross. Well, also, we are not here to be comfortable. Well, Jonah was comfortable in that shelter. But guess what happened? Here comes the worm. And the worm eats the plant. And the plant dies. Then we find in verse number 8, God appointed a scorching wind. And so Jonah went from being comfortable to being miserable. Isn't it funny how when you read this, verse 6, God appointed. Verse 7, God appointed. Verse 8, God appointed. On and on we find God appoints all these things. It doesn't matter whether we are in the storm or in the calm, God's still there. And God can surely appoint the storm or the calm to come into your life. We are not here to live in the comfort zone. Churches sometimes fail to understand that. Was it comfortable for the church to have the vision to buy the YMCA? Maybe not. But it was surely a God thing. Was it comfortable to build this building and this new sanctuary? Maybe not. But God was surely in it. We are not to always run our life by what's comfortable. Did not Jesus say, lay down your life, pick up your cross, and come and follow Me? That is surely not comfortable. Well, i got a third and last lesson. I'm just about done. Number three. Like Jonah, I hope you and I never forget what really matters. What really matters. And that's verses 9 through 11. Let's look at 9 and 10. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand, as well as many animals. Real quickly, we need to have the right perspective. That's verse 9 and 10. Jonah got more upset about the plant than he did the people. Number two, we need to have God's pity. Verse number 11... The Bible says there were more than 120,000 persons 
didn't know the difference between the right and left hand. I agree with the teacher's Bible commentary that said that's talking about children. And that in Nineveh, there were 120,000 children. That might have brought the population of Nineveh up to as many as 600,000. God is saying, the children who do not know left from their right hand, small children, God is saying, should I not have compassion on them? One person said, pity is this, to act with tears in our eyes. God's great concern is for people. When is the last time that you or I had a broken heart for a lost person? When is the last time that you or I had a broken heart for a child that's a prodigal child? You cannot read Scripture without seeing the heart of God. Methodist evangelist Sam Jones said it like this, If I had a thousand tongues, they should all talk of Christ. A thousand hands, they should all work for Christ. A thousand feet, I'd put them all in the way of heaven. <laughs> Amen. Oh, what a statement. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, today I have been convicted and challenged by Your Word. Father, I pray that Your great concern would be my great concern. God, break my heart God, give me a passion for the lost. Lord, I am no better than they. My sin is no milder than their sin. Father, remind me that grace is something not to be stingy with. And Lord, may we have Your heart and Your passion for our world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much.